the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Right here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. We get on the air because of the engineering skills of Mr. Pete Paquette. Andrew Herdlickska produces his show. And Glenn Dorsey is my first guest. He's in Arkansas. Uh, The book, The Bulletproof Leader, Revealing, Realigning, and Restoring the Heart of a Leader. Glenn, wonderful to talk to you. I hope things are well in Arkansas, and thanks for joining me. What an honor it is to be on your program. Thank you for the invitation. Well, thank you, Glenn. Uh, Tell me where your interest in leadership came from. What started it? The interest in leadership came through, actually, I had leaders coming to me. I have an emotional healing ministry, and leaders from various genres would come to do one-on-one sessions with me, and I discovered that in leadership, I pastored Open Arms Assembly for 33 years and have done leadership teachings, but the concept that the Lord gave me for this book dealt more so with the personal issues of a leader and not so much about leadership skills. Well, let's dive into the book. Your first chapter is called Fight forward. Uh, What does that mean? Fighting forward means that we are aligning ourselves uh, and confronting our weaknesses, recognizing that our weaknesses can work against us or they can propel us into a greater level of leadership. I find that in leadership, many people struggle with their weaknesses because they keep them hidden. And it's the things that that we hide that we don't want to deal with uh, when they became known that can embarrass us, or we can head them off by uh, seeking help and addressing them and making them work for us. You then uh, lead in to this topic. Love the people you lead. Uh, Glenn, tell us more about that. Uh, Because the people many times in leadership have felt in uh, their upbringing uh, rejections or abuses of different sorts in in their uh, home life, uh, they have a, a wall that they have built around themselves whereby they lead people, but they don't give them their heart. They keep people at a distance. They don't want to be intimate. Uh, with those that they're leading out of fear of rejection or fear of being betrayed or hurt. 
Uh, let's keep moving. Submit to God's authority is another key topic. How do we go about that, Glenn? We submit to God's authority. When we do so, we are acknowledging that we don't know it all. The basis and the struggle, rather, that most uh, leaders have is if they are not attentive to their character, pride becomes an issue because of titles and because of the authority that they have. And uh, humility is something that we must absolutely have. And uh, to do that and to accomplish that means that we recognize that authority has been given to us and is not something that we demand. So submitting ourselves to God is making a statement to those following us as well as to the Lord himself that we are not self-sufficient without him. My guest is Glenn Dorsey. Talking about his book, The Bulletproof Leader. You then move to this topic, Glenn. It's called Love Yourself. Uh, How does that fit in? Loving yourself can only be accomplished by fully comprehending our identity that Christ has given to us. Regardless of what has happened to us, such as Jacob, when he wrestled with the angel, he did not ask him, what have you done? But he asked him who he was. And our identity can only be given to us by God the Father. That's the role of a father. They give us our identity. And becoming a bulletproof leader requires that we have the ability to love ourselves. If we don't love ourselves, then we become our own worst enemy. We can love ourselves because God has chosen to love us through Christ. And because that he loves us, he has given us permission to love ourselves. We cannot love others until we learn to love ourselves first. You then um, transition to embrace authenticity. I want to hear more about this. Embracing authenticity is being transparent, open, and honest. Transparency is something that Daniel is an example of out of the Scripture. Uh, authenticity is composed to me of being genuine and real, not just in the workplace, but in my private life. It, it encompasses integrity, which creates trust. Authenticity is transparency and, and being authentic. And it, we encouple in, with that accountability, which is a deterrent to an abuse of power and protection to our character. Now, Glenn, tell us about overcome failure. I want to hear about this. Overcoming failure is the price that we pay to success. No one uh, has always been a winner. And uh, overcoming failure has tremendous benefits to us because it demands creativity from us. It creates character and patience, endurance and tenacity. It will reveal our flaws and our weaknesses. And refusing to to fail will lead us to success simply because we don't quit. Muhammad Ali made a statement when he was interviewed about uh, his uh, training skills to be a champion 
how he felt about his regiment, and they he said, I hate every minute of training. But I said, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. Great point. Great point. My guest, and we're talking about leadership, one of my favorite topics, Glenn Dorsey, author of The Bulletproof Leader, revealing, realigning, and restoring the heart of a leader. Uh, expand on that word, the heart of a leader. Uh, what, what does that mean to you, Glenn? The heart of a leader to me is, it is the passion. It is the true person that I am on the inside. It is that something that is the, the core of what makes me get up in the morning that brings joy to me in being a leader. Glenn, do you think leaders are born or made? I think that they are made. We talked about failure, and if a person does not quit, the ultimate end will be success. And uh, we learn by failing. Uh, I don't believe that anyone has a gene. We can have uh, personality. We can have talent. But personality and talent does not create character. Failure creates character. Tenacity creates character. And because that we refuse to quit and uh, learning life's lessons, business lessons, uh, we, we learn what not to do. And as a result, uh, God is polishing us for success. So uh, that would be my take on that. Glenn, we're moving uh, forward and we're talking about the different aspects of your book. And uh, one of the key pieces you write about here about leadership, evaluate relationships. Uh, unravel that one. What does that mean? Uh, evaluating relationships means that every person must reassess the people that they allow to be in their inner circle. Uh, Jesus had the multitude that was at a distance. He had the 500 that saw him leave that were faithful to him. He had the 120 that went to the upper room. He had uh, the 30 that he sent out. He had the 12 that were close to him. And uh, he also had the 12, and he had the three. And the three are the ones that naturally were the closest to him. We assess, we need to assess those that are around us because our success is determined by the people that we rely on and the people that we trust. So I think that we can evaluate relationships as to how they meet a personal individual need in our life. We need someone that we trust that can confront us. We need someone that uh, has a more a brilliant mind than we do. We need someone that will um, bring laughter to us because we just enjoy being in, in their company. We need a cheerleader, someone that will compliment us and encourage us when, we, when we're low. And so we have around us determines our level of success. Glenn, there's another to topic here that you write about. It's called practice distance. Uh, where does that fit in with leadership? Practicing distance 
is there are certain people that are not intended to be a part of our life. They suck the life out of us. They're critics. They're negative. Um, I just believe that there are certain personalities that we do not blend well with, and if we're going to be our best, one of the reasons we assess our relationships is is to uh, make ourselves better. And uh, there are some people that regardless of uh, what our relationship has been in the past, perhaps we have grown to a level that they have not. They may be jealous of us. They may be critical of us. They may be not as truthful as they have been in the past. Regardless of what the, the flaw may be, once we recognize that someone is not loyal to us or someone does not fit uh, the need to help us to go forward, we need to distance ourselves from them. Glenn, guard your wellness. Uh, explain that to us. Guarding our wellness is something that is vital to every leader that very few people want to talk about. And when I talk about guarding our wellness, I'm speaking about our health, particularly our mental health. Uh, a survey was done by um, the University of San Francisco, and they asked over 292 CEOs what was the, the greatest struggle that they had personally. And uh, 70% of them responded and said that it was mental anxiety. It was depression. It was anxiety and the other causes that go with that. And it was difficult for them to admit that they had the, the mental stress at the level that it actually was. It was per- perfecting their performance. And because that sometimes mental illness has um, a negative connotation to it, people are not often understanding that uh, it's so common, especially in today's culture, for people to struggle with uh, anxiety and with depression and oppression. And um, so it is when it comes to guarding our health, most the causes for most of the anxiety in leadership comes from a drive and a passion. Uh, if we love what we're doing or if we are a person that is uh, driven to excel, we overextend ourselves and we wear ourselves down. We don't get adequate rest. And most CEOs uh, have struggled with not having enough rest, but yet uh, once learning the lesson, they have come to the conclusion that they are going to take at least um, times throughout the year quarterly whereby they separate themselves from their work for a, for a vacation or for a Sabbath rest to just get away and to refresh themselves. So it's important that we safeguard our mental health. My guest is Glenn Dorsey. We have another segment with Glenn. Stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new AM 990. 
and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Glenn Dorsey, he's in Arkansas. Uh, His book is called The Bulletproof Leader, Revealing, Realigning, and Restoring the Heart of a Leader. And Glenn, we've arrived at topic number 10. Uh, You call it Stay the Path of Freedom. Uh, Expand on that. What's that mean? That means that we need to be attentive to uh, our character as it relates to addictions, impulsive behaviors, and and etc. Christianity Today did a survey of forty percent of evangelical Protestant leaders, uh, and they discovered forty percent of them acknowledged that they struggle with pornography. All of the addictions have a similar enticement or, excuse me, common ground, and that is impulsive actions. It's risk-taking. It's self-esteem issues. It's relationship insecurity. It's depression or anxiety. And uh, the addiction becomes a feel-good. It is an immediate response. And the result of that is, of course, that it erodes our character, our self-confidence. It changes our temperament. It makes a negative impact on our family and on our business. And instead of living for family, we start living for the addiction. Let's expand it again. Let's move on to topic 11. Uh, prioritize your values. Uh, how do we go about doing that, Glenn? Prioritizing our values is so vital to leaders because we spend so much time mm-hmm. Uh, doing our business, whether it is whether we are an entrepreneur, whether we are, are uh, a CEO, whether we are uh, in any form of leadership, normally because we are in leadership demands more hours than the common labor uh, deals with. And because of that, that means that our families oftentimes become the recipients of being deprived, and it begins to affect relationships at home. And uh, we we have to make a decision. What what are the things that mean most to me? Is it the success and hearing the praise of other people? Is it the the values, uh, the the feeling that I get from having accomplished something uh, that associates me with being success, successful? Or is it possible that I can balance my life with family and work? And, of course, that is our goal. And when we do that, we're going to be at our best because our family will be supportive of us. They will not be jealous of our job. Our children will not be deprived of the parent. And it will bring wholeness to our relationships because that we establish priorities that affect the wholeness of who I am by putting value on family, God, and business, and it's keeping that balance that 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 brings the greatest reward to us. Now we move to this topic: embrace your humanity. What's that all about? 
embracing our humanity. The leadership has this persona um, of a Superman. When I was a child, I used to watch the black and white um, program on TV, and I noticed something about Superman. He could leap over buildings. He could take bullets in the chest. But whenever someone, someone would take a swing at him to hit him in the head, he would always duck. It was a dead giveaway that Superman was not what he claimed to be. And there's something about humanity that we want to elevate our leaders to a place that we feel like because that they are that they are better at life than we are. They're more successful in their personal life. Um, we think that their success in business parallels with their private life, in which we all know that this is not true. And um, because of that, we need to come to the realization that we are not Superman. We don't have the answers to everything. We're not super strong. We are vulnerable. We are human, and, and we must accept the fact that we are simply clay that God has put his hand on to use us and to promote us. Glenn, when did you first realize that you were a leader? I recognized that I was a leader uh, early on in life when um, I started, of course, in ministry at a very young age. And uh, I started having people uh, after about probably 10 years of being in ministry started coming to me seeking advice and counsel. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? And uh, it became uh, something that I began to realize that it was not just about me, but it is about those that were coming to me. And because of that, uh, God got my attention, such as David, when he was in the cave, and the scripture says that those 400 men came to him in that cave. Why did they come to him? Because he had something that they wanted to identify and connect themselves with. What do you say to people who have leadership opportunities, but they're just afraid? Uh, they will say, Glenn, things like, um, oh, I'll help. Uh, but but I don't want to head this up, or I'm too busy, or I, uh, I, I, I just don't think that I'm the right person for this. Uh, what do you say to them? I think one of the secrets of being a leader is that we see in others what they do not see in themselves. And a leader is not out to make himself look better. He is out to develop those uh, that he sees the potential and their giftedness and begins to draw out the greatness that is in them first by pouring into them himself and by giving them uh, hands-on mentoring and uh, giving them decision skills, leadership principles, and giving them the opportunity to, uh, to be taught because confidence comes by two things. It comes by being taught and allowing to do what I've what I have been taught, and that's the principle of Jesus. He would teach his disciples and then release them to do the task. They didn't feel worthy, but when he authorized them, when he gave them the authority to act, what they had been taught, they performed at the level that Jesus was pleased with. And I think sometimes people 
don't volunteer because they have not or don't want to accept responsibility because they have not had someone speak over them with confidence. You can do this. I believe in you. This is the skills that I see in you. I believe this is how God wants to use you. Come with me and let's do it together. And then we separate ourselves and they function without us being present. Glenn, what was Jesus' greatest strength as a leader? Jesus' greatest strength as a leader is that he saw the heart. Uh, We have several instances in Scripture where that happened. Of course, Moses said, I can't because I stutter. And God said, who made you? I know what's in you. It was Gideon hiding behind the threshing floor. And the angel said, thou mighty man of valor. It is God who sees the heart. We see things that are based on external attraction, such as Saul, who was head and shoulders above every man, and he was very attractive. But he was not good at being a leader because he would be filled with pride that would cost him his kingdom. And yet there is a David that is the youngest in the house, tending sheep for the other brothers, had the ability or the attractiveness to be a king, but God said no. There was one in the field that was learning how to battle and learning how to hear the voice of God, to be inspired of God. They saw, God saw in him what his father and his brothers did not see. Well, folks, my guest has been Glenn Dorsey author of The Bulletproof Leader. Lots of good leadership wisdom uh, that we have gained today from Glenn. Uh, Revealing, realigning, and restoring the heart of a leader. Uh, Folks, check out my latest book. It's out now. It's called Every Day is Game Day, a 365-page devotional. Sports stories in every one, and then it leads into the devotional aspect. So when you're ordering Glenn Dorsey's book, The Bulletproof Leader, uh, pick up a copy of Every Day is Game Day. We've got more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Stay with us here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Glenn Dorsey, our guest in that first segment, talking about his book, The Bulletproof Leader. Uh, Pat Morley's right here in town. He's an Orlandoan, uh, founder of Man in the Mirror, uh, a treasure, a national treasure, really. He's got a new book out called The Four Voices. Taking Control of the Conversation in Your Head. Boy, I'll tell you, this book hit home with me. And Pat, thanks for it, and I'm so glad we have some time to talk about your new book. How you doing? Thank you, Pat. Thank you, former neighbor, and uh, good greetings and warm greetings to all of your listeners today. Patrick, why was it important to write this book? What's going on out there? 2 a.m. is what's going on out there. You... uh, this is the power hour with Pat Williams, right? Yes. <laughs> well, the greatest power of all is the power of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, a lot of people don't understand that the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is God. And even if they know that he is God, 
my experience shows that a lot of people, really, including myself, it's taken a long time. You know, most of the really big ideas about Christianity take 10 or 20 years to sink in. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit is one of those, for sure. But that's where the real power is. But, Pat, what is going on about right, so this... We wake con- up at 2 uh, o'clock, right? About this conversation in your head. What, what's, what's going on with our brains? Yeah. So here it is. Here it is. We all know that we have a running conversation with ourselves all day long. We call that self-talk, and we need that. Self-talk is important because that's how we fit the little bits and pieces of incongruent pieces of our lives into some kind of a congruent story that helps us to make sense of our lives. We all know that. Problem. We're not the only voice in the conversation. Therefore, other voices that are constantly exerting themselves to influence what we think, say, and do. Those four voices, listeners, are the world, the flesh, the devil, and the Holy Spirit. Our job is to take control of the conversation by figuring out which voice is speaking. Make sense? It does. Now let's dig in deeper. Uh, the The first one you mentioned is the voice of the world... Uh, expand on that. What's that mean? The Bible tells us, says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions and the basic principles of this world. Now, listeners, when the Bible talks about the world, it's not talking about the good parts of the world. So Francis Schaeffer, the theologian, said there's a lot of leftover beauty in the world. We're not talking about that. Frodo (laughs) said there's a lot of good in the world and it's worth fighting for. When the Bible talks about the world, it's referring to that part of the world which has fallen. And so let me give you an example. If you are uh, a young man, and I remember when I was a young guy and I was interviewing for my first job, uh, I really really wanted to go to work for this one company here in town. It was called Florida Ranch Lands. They had... Uh, secured the Disney property. The owner of the company said to me, said, you know, I think you have a lot of promise, but the problem is I don't think you can make it. You don't have enough gray hair. You're too young. So Mm. the voice of the world saying, you know, you're too young to make a difference. But then I hear guys who are older all the time telling me that they've been told they're expendable. You're not useful anymore. We can't use you anymore. You're done here. And so the world's voice is telling older guys, you can't make a difference because you're too old. Did you catch that, listeners? So the world will tell you, the fall of the world will tell you that it doesn't make any difference if you're young or you're old. You really can't make a difference. But the Bible gives a very different report. So Joseph, uh, David, Jesus, they all began their careers at the age of 30, made incredible contributions at a young age. Likewise, you take people like Moses, Uh, Sarah, Abraham, Paul, they all played their best music in the last one-third of their lives. So the Bible has a very different report. The Bible says it doesn't make any difference if you're young or old. You can always make a difference. So it's this subtlety you see in the voice of the world, the human traditions and the basic principles of this world. Very subtle, uh, but also uh, a lot of the things that are going on in the world, of course, are are very... um, dramatic and uh, over-the-top, salacious and things like that. But it's these more subtle things, I think, that really catch a lot of us off guard. Does that make sense? It does, Pat. Now talk to me about the voice of the flesh. 
Yeah, so we all know we have a, a sinful nature. That's a synonym for the flesh. Um, Paul, for example, in the Bible, Paul wrote a third of the New Testament, <laughs> and uh, he knew that he had a flesh. He said that the flesh wants what's contrary to the spirit, the spirit what's contrary to the flesh. And, and uh, he even said one time, this is the Apostle Paul, he even said one time, he said, I don't know why I do what I do. What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, that's what I do. And so he was talking about uh, the flesh in him. I remember as a young businessman wanting to have my cake and eat it too, right here in Orlando. And uh, I thought that money would solve my problems, success would make me happy, but I also thought that I could have the best of the Christian world uh, as as well. And and the problem is is that the, the flesh, and the flesh, by the way, listeners, has three dialects in First John chapter 2, verse 16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And, you know, if you uh, if you come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is not enough to make you happy, then the voice of the flesh can really tempt you in all three of those areas. So I guess mine probably was pride of life, you know, just getting to a big head, getting out of control. And, uh, by the way, God has a, a wonderful way of bringing us back uh, to where we should be, it's called suffering, <laughs> mm. and suffering tends to compel us to seek the God that success makes us think we don't need. So the flesh is always out there, it's always active, and um, I remember just walking, for example, uh, by my wife as I was writing this book, I went downstairs for a cup of coffee, and I was breezing back by her, she was on the couch looking at her computer, and I thought it was pretty clear, you know, that I was in a hurry. <laughs> but she said, without uh, any hesitation, she said, Pat, would you give me another cup of coffee? And I, I like, froze right there. I literally froze for five seconds because I had these two voices in me. You know, one was saying, doesn't she know how, she, can't she tell how busy I am? And didn't she see that I was rushing past her? And, uh, and then the other voice said, you know, really your highest best, highest and best use in life is, is probably to go get her that cup of coffee. And so I hope it's not just because I was working on this particular chapter at the time, but I did turn around and made her the coffee and then went upstairs to write down whatever idea I had, which obviously pales in comparison to putting my wife first. But the, the voice of the flesh, you know, comes along and tempts you to do things like that. Make sense? Good, Pat. Now uh, we move to... Uh the other voice, the next voice, the voice of the devil. Uh, where does he fit in? Yeah. So it's fascinating because there are a lot of people who are not sure that the devil is a real entity. But for those of you who would like to settle that once and for all, uh, I offer this. Jesus, <clears throat> of the approximate 90 or so biblical mentions of Satan or the devil, about one-fourth of those mentions come, come from the lips of Jesus. So Jesus understood the devil as a real being, not a social construct, not a figurative person, not some kind of a symbolic character, but a, a, a true entity. So, yes, the devil is real. And the devil, uh, in the Bible, there are like two narratives that you can find if you study this in the Bible. And the first narrative is the one where we get to make fun of the devil. So he's like this wash-up 
washed-up angel that has a lot of nicknames, right? And uh, he's like this flea, this little gnat, this little fly that you can flick away. Uh, just You can just tell him to shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. And that's because the, the devil is extremely limited in power. In fact, perhaps his greatest achievement is to exa- have exaggerated how much power he has. But the devil can't really make you do anything. You know, people say, well, the devil made me do it. That's actually not true. The devil can't make you do anything. His power is limited to deception. That's why he's called the deceiver. You have to make the decision uh, to uh, listen to his voice or not. And so he's like this cussing parrot on your shoulder, talking in your ear, and you can just tell him to be quiet anytime you want. So that's the first narrative. But we don't want to discount the second uh, narrative, and that is that Satan is the CEO of sin. And he is a murderer and a liar and a destroyer, you know, from the very beginning, at, you know, from convincing Adam and Eve in the garden to uh, getting permission to afflict Job, to tempting Jesus in the wilderness. He entered, he entered Judas to betray Jesus, and there's so many other things there that are true about the devil. So he uh, he is a real entity, and he really does have real power, but uh, if you're listening, just don't be overly concerned, because even though the devil's trying to destroy what God is trying to build, he really has uh, no power unless the, 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 the Lord gives him permission to, like, uh, for example, in the life of Job, or maybe uh, to enter Peter and uh, to tempt Peter um, to uh, deny the Lord for three times. But he got restored, and so... No matter what happens to you, you know, God is in you and he's in you. He's, he's just greater than he's in the world. That's what the Bible says. So that's the devil. So, Patrick, we have covered the voice of the world, the voice of the flesh, mm-hmm. the voice of the devil. Now tell us about the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so about half of this book, The Four Voices, is devoted to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I think you need to always identify the problem that you're trying to solve, but all my books spend about 90% of the time on solutions and only about 10% trying to help everybody make sure we understand the problem in the same way. So the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I used to live on the same lake here, and uh, you know that we have a, an eagle family here on the lake, but we don't see them very often. So I'm looking out the window, and uh, one day, and uh, I said, is that, is that the eagle? Is that the eagle? And <laughs> no, it was an osprey. And then another day, uh, I look out the window, and I said, is, is, is that the eagle? Is that the eagle? And no, it's an osprey. And then another day, I look out the window, and I say, oh, my gosh, it's the eagle. <laughs> the thing is, is that when the eagle shows up, you don't have to ask if it's the eagle. There's no mistaking it. And that's what the Holy Spirit is like. As a, one of my co-teachers says, he says, if it doesn't sound like the Holy Spirit, it's not him. <laughs> so uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit is, is very dynamic, very powerful. But here's the thing. Knowledge is power, and if you don't understand how to use the power, then it's not of much use to you. So I bought a... Uh, uh, I've had several motorcycles. I bought a uh, Harley Davidson full dresser from the uh, 
dealership here in town. And one day, I uh, went out to start my motorcycle. Uh, you know, like a couple of days after we bought it, it was Saturday morning. I wanted to go out and you know, check out some new uh, circuits that I could take my friends on. And so I was out by myself, and I tried to crank it. It wouldn't start. It was the first time I actually tried to start it after I got it home. Well, I said, what in the world is going on? So I checked the, the the fuel, made sure it had fuel in it. I made sure the ignition was on. I checked the fuel cock to make sure that the gas was flowing. I, I finally ended up taking the battery cables off and putting them back on. I, I mean, I did like everything. It still wasn't started. And I was so upset. So I waited until, like, whatever the time the service department opened, let's say 8 o'clock. And I called down there and said, said, I want you to come get this motorcycle and take it back. It's just, it's, it's, it's nothing but a 650-pound paperweight. It won't do anything. <laughs> and the uh, kind service tech said, well, can I ask you a few questions? I said, okay. And so he said, well, uh, you turned the ignition on, right? I said, well, of course I did. He said, uh, and you've got fuel in it, right? Yes, of course I've got fuel in it. And you, how about the fuel cock? Did you make sure it was turned on? I said, yeah. How about the battery cables? Are they connected? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how about the on-off switch on the handlebars? I said, on-off switch on the handlebars? What are you talking about? <laughs> it has a second ignition, a kind of like a fail-safe. Well, I didn't know that, right? And so here I had this 650-pound uh, motorcycle that was basically a paperweight, because I didn't know how to turn it on. And brothers and sisters, if you're listening, if you don't understand the how to properly turn on the power of the Holy Spirit, how to hear His voice and to walk in the Spirit, then instead wait. Pat Morley is our guest. We got more with Pat. Stay with us. We're talking about his new book, which is a fabulous new book, The Four Voices taking control of the conversation in your head. Uh, This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. More with Pat Morley uh, right after this. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Now, here's Pat. Best-selling author Patrick Morley is our guest. Uh, His book is called The Four Voices. It's an important read. Uh, Pat, you go on in uh, topic six, chapter six, cultivating a sensitivity to the voice of the spirit. Uh, What do you recommend? How do we do this? All right, so this book is an expanded edition of The Four Voices. We brought it out in our Books by the Box program for Father's Day last year, which is a mass paperback size. And But uh, this book is uh, a June 1 release in the, in the uh, as a trade book, so it's available on Amazon. And I, I decided to add this expanded chapter that you're talking about here uh, just because there's so many people that want to understand how they can actually cultivate a sensitivity to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Um, one thing to talk about is that it's a relationship. Uh, I've already mentioned a little bit about that idea that it's he's not an it, he is God. And then uh, in terms of communication, that's another way to cultivate that. And then uh, through obedience, let me tell you a story. So we have this Friday morning Bible study here in Orlando. Probably many of your listeners have 
men at least have probably tried it out at some point or another, and uh, the Man in the Mirror Bible Study, and um, one of our leaders, David, took a job as the uh, CEO of a small startup insurance company down in Palm Beach, and so he was leaving on Monday mornings and driving down to Palm Beach and coming back Thursday nights to catch his daughter's soccer game and then lead a table at the Friday morning Bible study. So one morning, David is driving down to Palm Beach, uh, you know, it's dark 30, and he hears a voice, call your dad. And he said, well, I can't call my dad, it's like 4.30 a.m. or whatever, and about an hour later, the voice came again, uh, call your dad. And he thought that was kind of crazy because it was 5.30 now. But a little bit later, he heard a voice again that said, when are you going to call your dad? And at that point, he realized, kind of like young Samuel with the prophet Eli, that maybe this was the voice of God. And so he he decided in obedience that he needed to, uh, he was trying to cultivate the voice of the Holy Spirit, right? He needed to respond in obedience. And so he called his father, and his, he didn't expect his father to answer, but Patty did. And they were estranged. They had been estranged for a long, long time. In fact, David and his father were estranged, but David's sister and their father were extremely estranged. Just hadn't talked in years and years and years and years. And so they had a good conversation, and David invited him to come to the Thanksgiving prayer breakfast, the annual Thanksgiving prayer breakfast that we do here in Central Florida and not expecting his father to, to, to be interested. But he said, yes, I'd love to do that. And so David picked him up, and they uh, exchanged a few pleasantries. At that prayer breakfast, David's father uh, decided that he wanted to receive Jesus into his life. He started attending the Friday morning Bible study, and for the rest of his life, sat at David's table. The, the, the son discipled the father. What a great story, huh? And that's... Uh, that's what it means to be obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit, one of the ways that we cultivate His voice. Pat, at the end of your book, Chapter 7, a message to you from the Holy Spirit. Tell us more about this. Yeah, so, um, you know, knowledge is power, and I wanted everybody to really be able to take this. Uh, the, the, one of the problems with the voices of the world, the flesh, and the devil is is that when they are trying to speak at 2 a.m., they don't kind of like raise their voice and say, Ahem, God, would you mind if I speak? <laughs> they just start talking, right? And, and then often they're talking over each other, so it can be very, very confusing. So in the book, what I have done is I told each of these voices, okay, you go to your corner, and I'm going to talk about you individually, and then you can come back together again but I want the reader to be able to understand who you are and, and how to have victory over you. So I've got like 27 different practical <laughs> steps in the book. But to your point, uh, at the very end, I wanted to um, have something a little bit more intimate, a little bit more personal. And I was, I was on a hike one day, and it, it just kind of came, came out, and I was walking along. <laughs> in the woods, uh, dictating this uh, particular chapter, and it's just a very intimate, it's a letter from the Holy Spirit to each of the readers, just to let them know uh, that they that he 
knows your name. He loves you very much. He only wants what's best for you, and he will never leave you, forsake you. And every day he longs to be in a close relationship, and uh, so on and so forth for uh, quite a few pages. Pat, we know about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Why do you think there's so much confusion about the Holy Spirit? Can you... Can you just simplify it for us, or is that impossible? No, I don't think it's impossible. So when you use the word Father, we have a reference point, right? When we use the, the, the word Jesus, we have a reference point. We have a person. When you use the Holy Spirit, who are we talking about? Are we talking about the... You know, it takes light from the closest star of Orion's belt. You know, Orion's that beautiful constellation with those three little fuzzy stars in a row. That's Orion's belt. It takes that like 13 million years to get to our eyes. 13 million light years to get to our eyes. Hey, Pat, for all we know, Orion has been a burned-out constellation, having been there for 5 million years, and we, will, we won't know for another 8 million years. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the, the Spirit is, is, is the, 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 the immensity of God, uh, and we don't have that reference point. With the, when we think about the Holy Spirit, we we do think about the uh, unseen world, and uh, it's just very difficult, I think, to uh, relate for some people to relate to the Spirit, also because of the the way they grew up. If you grew up in a mainline denomination or some denomination where there, the the emphasis on the Holy Spirit was less, you probably don't have that intimate relationship with him, like maybe some of our friends in the charismatic community do. Does that make sense? Uh, Pat, uh, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in, and it's my understanding that's it. uh, They're they're not different doses of the Holy Spirit. Can you explain more of that? Yeah, and so this is a big question too. So yes, there. Yes, when you receive Jesus, you definitely are. You you, you definitely have. It's called that's the baptism of the Spirit, and uh, all believers have the Holy Spirit within within them. But that's different than experiencing His full presence and power, or let's just call that being filled with the Spirit, and then uh, being able to walk in the power of the Spirit. So I draw. You know, there are books that you could read, listeners, that you could read many, many books on this. But what I've tried to do is I've tried to draw all that down, distill all that down into about four or five pages to really help you understand those differences between baptism and being filled and walking by the Spirit. So, yes, every believer does have the Holy Spirit. Uh, your body, as the Bible says, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But the way we appropriate uh, the, the Spirit in us, for example, he appoints us to be his witnesses and gives us power. That word power is uh, the Greek word dunamis, from which we get dynamite. We actually have that available to us if we cultivate it, and that's why this chapter on you know, cultivating the voice of the Holy Spirit. Make sense? Yeah, terrific. Pat, I'm so glad that you wrote the book. Uh, I'm so glad that uh, I got it and read it in about two sittings. It's that important. Patrick Morley, founder of Man in the Mirror. 
uh, native of Orlando. The book is called The Four Voices Taking Control of the Conversation in Your Head. Well, folks, before the uh, we wrap up here, I, I just want to remind you we're trying to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando. And you can be a big help. Go up to the website, orlandodreamers.com, and just check in. Let us hear from you, orlandodreamers.com. Orlando is now the largest media market in North America that does not have a Major League Baseball team. Our time has come. Uh, you need to be part of it. Well, folks, we got to wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Uh, My friends, I'm so glad you had time for us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. In that first segment, uh, Glenn Dorsey gave us a good, good lecture on leadership. The book is called The Bulletproof Leader. And then Patrick Morley, right here in Orlando, founder of Man in the Mirror, Talk to us about his new book, The Four Voices, Taking Control of the Conversation in Your Head. And my latest book is out. It's called Every Day is Game Day. Uh, we put it together with my friend Mark Atterbury, and it's, uh, it's a devotional, 365-page devotional, uh, all with a sports story, a sports uh, anecdote. And then it leads into the devotional part. So when you go up to Amazon to get that book, uh, remember Glenn Dorsey and Patrick Morley. We'll have a wonderful week ahead. We'll see you next weekend right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. And stay tuned all day long to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. See you next weekend. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.